Let's start off with prayer. Lord, thank you for gathering us together. You've called out of the world a people to yourself, a new nation that worships and serves and loves you. So God, I pray that you will fill our hearts with love for you and love for each other. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to do a bit of plagiarism today, a bit of gimmick infringement, if you don't mind, Pastor Todd. I don't mind. We're going to do a one of Todd's signature top ten. Yes. So discipleship and truth. Before, before we start off, can anyone think of the dumbest law they've ever heard of? Dumbest law? The dumbest law. Well, there's a few now. There was one in New York that was you can't walk backwards on the sidewalk. On St. Patrick's Day, from the police station. Whoa, 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 whoa. Slow down. Say it again. You can't walk backwards on a sidewalk on St. Patrick's Day in front of the police station. I think that's the Wild only time you gun? should walk yeah, backwards because everybody's drunk. Yeah. That's probably why, right? I, I heard in some town in New York, too, you couldn't eat like an ice cream cone outside, too. It's like... I, I, <laughs> They're all from New York. I've I've got a list, if if you can't think of any. And I took these all from freewildlaw.com, so I'm guessing they're true. I mean, if the thing about walking backwards in front of the police station on St. Patrick's Day while chewing gum is true, I'm sure these aren't as far-fetched. But I have to uh, preface, I am not a lawyer, so consult your lawyer before committing any crimes. So number 10, and this is in no particular order really, but there's 10 of them. In Maine, after January 14th, you will be charged a fine for having Christmas decorations still up. Amen. That's actually a pretty good one. After May. Number nine. In Missouri, single men between the ages of 21 and 50 must pay an annual tax of one dollar. One dollar. The single tax. And the it's not much better in Idaho if you're married. In Idaho. It is illegal for a man to give his sweetheart a box of candy weighing less than 50 pounds. Oh Wait, her or the candy? <laughs> the box of... I'm guessing. In South Carolina, a person must be 18 years old to play pinball. Wow. Number six. In Alaska, it is considered an offense to push a live moose out of a moving airplane. Wait, wait. Imagine what must have happened yeah, that, that they had to make that a law. At some point. It's okay to push a dead moose sure. out of a moving plane. That. It's okay to push a live moose out of a stationary airplane. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's Number five. In North Dakota, it is illegal to lie down and fall asleep with your shoes on. Number four, in Louisiana, it is illegal to rob a bank, then shoot the bank teller with a water pistol. A water pistol? Number three, in New Jersey, it is against the law to wear a bulletproof vest while committing a murder. So at least they can shoot you back. That's just fair. Number two, close to home in our own backyard. In Pennsylvania, it is illegal to sleep on top of, of a refrigerator outdoors. Indoors, fine. And to top the list off, in Alabama, it is illegal to wear a fake mustache that causes laughter in church. <laughs> <laughs> All right, look around, Luke. Fake? 
Alright. Full on, is it real? Yeah, let's do the test. In church. <laughs> there should be some church rules. We should look those up. Yeah. Those are plausible. So, these are very silly laws. Uh, oftentimes, they only complicate things, make things more complicated and difficult, and in a lot of cases, probably shouldn't even exist. And that's not anything new. Back in Jesus' time, the Pharisees made for themselves a lot of silly laws like these. And that's where we get to our passage today. Mark chapter 7, starting in verse 1. Now when the Pharisees gathered to him with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands, holding to the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? And he said to them, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites. As it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. And he said to them, You have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. For Moses said, Honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say if a man tells his father or his mother, Whatever you would have gained from me is korban, that is, given to God. Then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother, thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. And many such things you do. Think about this for a second. Think about it. Why are you right with God? You personally, why are you right with God? No lie. The Pharisees thought they were right with God because they washed their hands a certain way. They took the phrase, cleanliness is close to godliness, a little too seriously. <laughs> so, we know that Matthew 5.17 says that Christ did not abolish the law, but came to fulfill it. Christ lived the perfect life we couldn't and died the death we deserved. And, in the Old Testament, there were hand-washing laws. There were hand-washing laws. And so, Jesus would have been washing his hands, but... This isn't what the Pharisees were talking about, and that's what they say. They asked him, why do disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders? Not why don't you walk according with the law, but with the tradition of the elders. So Mark points out in verses 3 and 4 that this was a ceremonial washing that they, that they did. It wasn't like a practical washing their hands after they use the bathroom and stuff. That's, all, that, all that stuff is good. That's in the Bible. <laughs> so, in the Old Testament law, some scholars say there's 613 commandments in the Old Testament. Uh, some rabbi came up with that number. But if you actually go through and read them and you count it, you don't come up with 613 so some scholars put that number at 248. I read somewhere that there's 60 commands for men and 48 for women. So I looked at this 613 list of what they all were. They, they have a list of the 613. The second one is no other gods. The 24th is 
do not turn to idol worship. The 27th is to not worship idols. The 28th is do not bow down to idols. Hmm. 29 is do not make an idol. 30, do not cast an image. 31, do not make gods of silver or gold. 32 is to not turn someone to idolatry. 51 is do not erect an idol or bow down to a stone. 54 is do not benefit from idols. These are all the same command. Yeah. Yeah. This is all the same command. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's no idols, which is one of the Ten Commandments. So we know that that's the, the pattern. There really is only one commandment, the greatest commandment. Turn a few pages over to Mark chapter 12. Down in verse 29. Uh, verse 28, rather. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that he answered them well, asked him, asked Jesus, which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, the most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Mm. And the scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one and there is no other besides him. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. Mm. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. I want to turn to the parallel passage for this back in Matthew chapter 22. And this gives us a little bit more information, a little bit of a different perspective. 22, starting in verse 34. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So it points out, interestingly enough, the, this Matthew, Matthew's perspective points out that this guy that came up and asked Jesus this question was in the Pharisees' posse. Yeah. He was one of them. And Mark tells us that he knew. The scribe said to him, You are right. He knew. This was something that was known by the people in Jesus' time. Jesus, well, we recently went over the Good Samaritan parable, and a similar situation popped up. The, the lawyer comes up and says, how am I to inherit eternal life? And Jesus asks him, what does the book say? Yeah. What does the Bible say about that? And what's the guy's answer? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. This was something they knew. They knew what it was all about. Jesus, When Jesus came, he really didn't revolutionize anything. We know the Bible is one message all the way through. They knew what the purpose of the commandments were. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Love God 
and love people. If you aren't convinced yet, Romans 13 verse 9 says, For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Galatians 5.14, the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. James 2.8, if you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well. 1 John chapter 4, starting in verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So I might have been misleading you a little bit when I said Jesus didn't say anything new. Um, John chapter 13. This is one of the last things Jesus says to his disciples before he's taken off to be crucified. So he's saying esoteric stuff. Like he's saying, one of you are going to betray me, where I'm going, you cannot go, and all sorts of strange things that are confusing them. So, you can imagine when they're, they're sitting around, Jesus says to them, in John 13, verse 34, A new commandment I give to you. They're leaning in. This is what, we're, what we've been waiting for. Finally, something new. This is the new thing. This is the secret that's going to get us closer to God. A new commandment I give to you. That you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. That's a bit of a troll move by Jesus. <laughs> the new commandment, same as the old commandment. But that's not it, right? There's got to be something else. What's the new new commandment? Where's the thing that's going to thrust us to the next level, get us to the next stage, to the next realm? What's the secret to getting closer to God? Why aren't we learning anything new? Because this is it. One law. For some perspective, anyone have any guesses how many federal laws there are in the United States? Wow. Globalregulation.com says there are 57,041 federal laws. And that's not including state laws. That's just federal laws. Uh, as a matter of fact, when I was researching this, I, I took this comment. Someone said, it's a commonly held assumption among most think tanks that the average American cannot go through his or her day without unknowingly violating at least three federal laws. <laughs> Is that true? Probably. We're all felons. So we, we tend to think of God's law as this straining burden, that, this big backpack on our back. Oh, 613 laws, it's so much to remember. But God's law is a law of liberty. Yeah. There's a few no's, the Ten Commandments, a few thou shalt nots, and then a world of yes. Amen. Just like in the Garden of Eden, there was an entire garden of yes. 
yes to this tree and yes to this tree and yes to this tree and one no. First John 5.13 says, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. Matthew 11.28, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Mm. So we do God a disservice when we put words in his mouth and misrepresent him and call things sin that he never called sin. What God says should be our standard, not our opinions, not the opinions of the greatest thinkers and the psychologists and philosophers and university professors. Ecclesiastes 7.16 says, Do not be overly righteous. That's in the Bible. Do not be overly righteous. <laughs> How do you be overly righteous when we invent laws that go beyond the standard set by God himself, making for ourselves a surrogate replacement righteousness? Let me give you an anecdote. It's been about 10 years since I went with a bunch of other teenagers out to New Mexico to uh, run a summer camp for uh, Navajo people. And in the lead up to that, while we were preparing our lessons and music and games and stuff, we were told for our music, we can't have drums. And why? Well, because for the Navajo people, drums is connect that's they're connected to their spirituality and, and war and it has certain connotations for them. So for us, we're teenagers, we never left Pennsylvania really. And we're thinking we're gonna go there into the middle of the desert and these kids are gonna be running around in loincloths with like feathers in their hair and stuff. And we get there and they're just regular American kids. Like, hey, you like Kanye? Yeah, yeah I love Kanye. <laughs> and it turns out that the reason we couldn't have drums wasn't because we were dealing with an unreached tribal people that were, like, uncivilized, but because the people that ran the camp were Baptists. Oh, <laughs> ouch. Ouch. Instincts. I'll give you another anecdote. Uh... A few years ago, one of my friends got married. He got married at his church and had the whole service reception there and everything. And he was told that he could not dance. At the reception, there was to be no dancing. He couldn't have his first dance with his wife. Why? I don't know. I don't know if they told him. Keep those anecdotes in mind as I read Psalm 150. It's the last, the last psalm if you want to turn there. Psalm 150. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with, uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> Praise him with tambourine Drums. and dance. Drums and dance. Tambourine's kind of a drum. Praise him with strings and pipe. 
Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud, clashing cymbals. Not only are you supposed to have cymbals, they're supposed to be loud and clashing. Middle school music. Kind of like rock and roll. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Do not be overly righteous by being more righteous than Christ and inventing mm. reasons that you're righteous. I'm righteous because I don't drink. I'm righteous because I don't smoke. I'm righteous because I don't dance. I'm righteous because I don't listen to rock and roll. More righteous than Christ who had a beard, who drank wine, who hung out with the wrong crowd, who called people out when it was appropriate, and who spoke the truth in love rather than lied to keep the peace. Right in the middle of Leviticus, in the middle of the law, chapter 19, verses 17 and 18, you shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. And in our passage, Mark 7, Jesus is really reasoning frankly, isn't he? He said to them, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites. We sort of imagine Jesus as this skinny, sort of sickly, Gandhi-like figure floating around on a cloud with his fingers like this. Always cordial, always polite, never ruffling any feathers, never saying anything off color. But he really lays into these guys. <laughs> and he didn't do it because they were stupid. It wasn't because they didn't know any better. Mm. Jesus wasn't being a bully. He wasn't punching down. These guys knew better. So these traditions that they talk about, these oral traditions of the elders, they were written into something called the Mishnah. Then they talked about the Mishnah and then wrote down those conversations into what's called the Gemara. Then they combined the Mishnah and the Gemara into what's known as the Jerusalem Talmud. And then they added to it, I heard they made it four times longer. And that's the Babylonian Talmud. Piling on and piling on and piling on traditions and opinions and commands that God never gave. Rather than loving God... Their righteousness came from following their traditions. It's what the experts were saying to do. They were the experts. Jesus tells them, you don't honor your father and mother. You're a hypocrite. You've invented laws to make yourselves righteous, so you don't have to obey God. This Korban system that he's talking about, Jesus kind of explains it. Uh, if their parents were in need... They said, well, I do have $500, but those funds are tied up. That's money that's devoted to God. So you're out of luck, mom and dad. <laughs> that money is devoted to God. And then, of course, they would do whatever they wanted with the cash. And I've seen this, similar things in modern times, but instead of making up a Corban law, we have experts and psychologists and philosophers and university professors telling us, you need not honor your father and mother because it's bad for your mental health. Cut your parents out of your life because 
they're narcissists. They're toxic. Rather than associating with and forgiving toxic people, yeah. we instead turn inward to self-love and self-care. The Pharisees made up reasons for why they didn't have to obey God and love their neighbors. And things aren't too different 2,000 years later. And it's not just something that happened 2,000 years ago. It's not just the secular world. I think we too can fall into this trap. I think with a well-meaning heart, and it's technically correct, which is the best kind of correct, of course. <laughs> technically correct. We call Christianity a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's certainly part of it, being personally reconciled to God. But the Christian life is not meant to be spent navel-gazing, being introspective, hiding from other people, saying, I don't need anyone else. I have Jesus. I love Jesus so much that I don't have to obey him. Staying away from our brothers and sisters in Christ. Christianity is not an individualistic religion. Last time I, was, I shared with you, I shared Daniel chapter 7, verse 13. He says, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man, that's Jesus. And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him, and to him was given a dominion and a glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. That's us. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. Galatians 3.26 says, In Christ Jesus you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. God has created a new nation of people for himself. If you're in Christ, we're in this together. Yeah. We're one in Christ. I thought this was something that like only pastors said that they made up <laughs> when they say, well, people say I love Christ, but I hate the church. I didn't think people actually said that until I actually heard people say that. <laughs> I thought that was, I, I didn't think that was real. But in 1 Corinthians, I'm going to jump around in chapter 12. I'm going to jump around a little bit, starting in verse 12. Just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. Mm. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves are free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, Because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. Down to verse 21, The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Down to verse 27, Now, you are the body of Christ, and individually members of it. We tend to take this analogy a little bit too far. Say, well, the pastor, that's the mouth of Christ. 
and the, the, the missionaries, they're the feet of Christ, and people that, that greet in the morning, they're the eyelashes of Christ, and the people that move the chairs are the biceps of Christ. But Paul's using an analogy. Just as the body is interdependent, a lot of things need to work together for me to move my hand around like this. That's how we are. Yeah. We're not independent. We're interdependent. I love Christ. I hate Christians isn't really an option. <laughs> We're inseparable. And we need each other. It's not about my personal relationship with Jesus. But my relationship with you. And with you. And with you. And your relationship with him. And his relationship with him. And his relationship with her. And my relationship with her. We don't want to end up on the side of the Pharisees saying, I can't love these people because blank. And I've heard it all. Because my personal preferences aren't met. That church doesn't have pews. They don't have hymnals. They play rock and roll. I don't like the music. The pastor's too old. The pastor's too young. They don't have a men's Bible study. They don't celebrate the Lord's table every week. The preaching's not practical enough. The preaching's not exegetical enough. They don't hold to this certain tradition. Replacing the mm. law of love mm. with the traditions of men. And we don't want to be like the layman of Jesus' time either. Mark tells us the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands. It wasn't just the Pharisees that were doing this. Everyone was just doing it. That's what the experts were saying to do. We don't want to be like, like the people in Jesus' time. Making excuses, saying, well, the experts say I'm allowed to ignore God. Mm. I can't love these people because my therapist says they're toxic. <laughs> that person's a narcissist. They have the dark triad. So I can't love like God said to. Think about this. Why do we come to church? Why do we even do this? Why do we gather? Is it out of tradition, a ritual, so that God will accept us? Is it so we can have our needs met? And trust me, we, we want to meet your needs. That's part of, of love. We want to meet your needs. Mm -hmm. if, if I want to let you obey God, I have to let you love me, and you have to let me love you. Mm. But is that our focus? Is that the why to satisfy our need for religion or ritual? Or routine. I'm going to read from Philippians chapter 2. Starting in verse 3. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Do we gather because we love God and we gather with his people in order to give ourselves to them and love them? That's the entire reason we gather, to fulfill the great commandment, to love God and to love each other. And I love you all. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word, your sufficient word. 
that's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Lord, we thank you that you did not leave us hanging, but you showed us the way. The way is to love one another. God, we thank you for that. We thank you that you've given us each other. Lord, teach us through the hard times, not only when things are easy, but when things are tough, how to love one another. As you have loved us, God, help us to love one another. That's our prayer today. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, TGD. Uh, he did his part, and now we do our part of applying it. Um, that's the whole point of the preaching of the word, is not to hear it and agree and be convicted, but to take what we've heard and now put it into practice. I pray that we would. TGD, thank you for the truth of that. That's a great encouragement and conviction to my heart. Uh, even today, look for opportunities to love your God, love your neighbor, follow the Lord's pattern, and just thank you for the, for the truth of that word. We're going to now uh, break and, and have our picnic together, get some food together, enjoy some fellowship. So uh, those online, we'll have to leave you, leave you for now, but we wish you were here. Uh, for the rest of us, uh, we'll let you eat, get your food, and just have some fun. I'm going to fire up the